Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah K. Ramsey, and I'm here with Kalia LaRoche. She helps people recover after narcissism and after narcissistic abuse from someone. And she's written four books on the subject and has an interesting viewpoint on it. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Sarah? Oh, so excited to talk about this because I think you and I have some very similar views on healing after a narcissist. Um, But why don't you tell people about why we kind of get obsessed with like studying narcissistic behavior and thinking like, oh, the only way to heal is just to kind of become, you know, have you seen that meme where it's like, I've got my PhD in personality disorders? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I I think we all do. I think, um, you know, everyone that goes through it, and I'm one of them, that's why I became a specialist in this, of course, you know, all that research had to go somewhere. So, you know, back in about 20 years ago, before there was a whole lot online around narcissism, I was I was researching it and studying it and learning everything I can about it. And I think that that's one of the stages of recovery is to understand what the personality disorder is, because we're in such a, you know, a web of gaslighting and uh, confusion and self-doubt. And, uh, you know, there's just so much that goes on in that relationship that has us really doubting ourselves and what type of person we are and our ability to have a relationship or a good relationship. And so, you know, when we, when we kind of go start going down that rabbit hole of researching narcissism, we're trying to understand what belongs to that person and what belongs to us. So we're kind of trying to sort sort through the wreckage in a sense. Yeah, which is especially important after after the blame game, right? Well, everything's you know? Yeah, yes. because we initially might feel like it's all our fault, we're a bad person, you know, all the blame and the shame and feelings of inadequacy and, you know, that constant trying to prove ourselves that when we start going down that rabbit hole about understanding narcissism, And what that is and what the personality disorder is all about, we start to see that, oh, that's the personality. That's what they do, you know, and that helps to free us in a sense from that responsibility of believing that that it was all our fault or that we're a horrible person. We're incapable of having a good, harmonious relationship and all those things that we come out of those relationships believing about ourselves. And it really separates us from them. In the enmeshment, yeah. right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but do you see women kind of get stuck in that stage of thinking the, uh, the way I say it is, uh, the starting, studying narcissism is the starting line, not the finish line. Uh, but I see so many women just like get stuck as if that's the that's the only option is just kind of obsessively studying narcissism. Have you ever come across that as well? Well, of course. Yes, that is the first stage. And, you know, because it's the first stage, people do get stuck in that stage. And I, I really work with um, people who, who get stuck in that stage because 
Um, we can get really even obsessed about what exactly the personality disorder is even, you know, oh, well, yeah. if it's so narcissism yeah. or borderline, <laughs> or if he's a sociopath or here's what I'm learning about this. And, and at some point I say, why is that so important? Isn't the f important focus your own healing and being able to break free from this? So I do completely validate that that research time that's you know necessary to pull yourself back and un have a greater understanding of who that person is. But there comes a point where we got to take our focus back to ourselves and what was it about me that kept me in that relationship or that made that behavior okay or that made well, me doubt myself so much or become such a people pleaser or whatever it was that I was doing my part in that relationship. Well, and I think what's difficult is, and I love your views on this, when if the whole relationship has been about them, yes, <laughs> you're used yes. to everything being about them, including your healing process. Right. And because many of the women I work with, they're really like they're taking response. They're, it's not that they're not taking responsibility. They're just taking responsibility for their, all the wrong stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, you know, that's, that's a really good point yeah. that the relationship is all about them. So the recovery ends up being all about them. And uh -huh. this is our opportunity to make it all about me. And it's kind of funny when I when I talk to women about that because I work with, you know, I work with some men too, but, but a lot of women. And so when I kind of default to women, that's just because that's the majority of my clientele. And there's a little bit of a different recovery process with women. Women do it differently. You know, they tend to. Ooh, yeah. Tell me about uh, your thoughts on women do it differently. That's well, I think women are a lot more codependent, you know, by nature. And, um, you know, my experience with men is men, it's a lot easier to say, oh, well, she was a real piece of work and I'm not going to do that again, you know. And they, I, in my experience, men tend to recover a little easier. They, they tend to let go of that obsession a little easier than women do. And well, from a societal uh, standpoint, women have kind of burdened the responsibility of making a relationship work. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, yeah. Keep your man happy. I've never heard anybody say, you know, you need to stay sexy or stay thin to keep your woman happy. I've never heard anyone say that. Right. Yeah. It's the woman. It, there's a lot of uh, burden or responsibility that falls on the woman to um, be what what she believes that man wants, needs, desires in order to hold on to him. And, you know, ironically, yeah something that the narcissist uses against the women in his life is, is constantly putting her on edge. There's constantly the threat of leaving for somebody else or, um, you know, just really making her feel so inadequate. And, you know, of course, we all know that other people really don't have the power to make us feel inadequate, but you know, when you're constantly exposed to that negativity about yourself, um, you know, it starts to seep in 
So you start to believe believe those things about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, how do you start believing good things about yourself? When you think about taking your eyes off studying narcissism or personality disorders and putting them back on your future and your path, what, what does it mean to be the path back to self? How do you do that? Well, the first part, and I, you know, this is kind of across the board. Everybody knows that this that's in recovery is you really have to break off the contact with that person first and foremost. And secondly, you have to kind of break off the contact, make a commitment to yourself that I'm going to transfer my study to things having to do with codependency, with self-healing, with self-love, with healing the wounded child, healing core wounds. So I'm going to take my attention from studying narcissism or narcissistic abuse and who that narcissist is and start examining who am I? What type of personality am I that makes me feel like I, um, I have to people please and take care of that person and um, jump through all those hoops? And why am I so quick to believe those terrible things about myself? What's going on with me and my own levels of self-doubt? My own core wounds that I've incurred in childhood because a lot of my clients come from narcissistic uh, parenting in some way. It might even be subtle. They may not realize it until they're in several narcissistic relationships, and then they have to finally trace it back and go, oh, yes, my father or my mother was very narcissistic, um, emotionally shut down, emotions aren't um, honored or allowed they're ridiculed. They're, um, you know, I'm made to feel weak in my childhood for having emotions, for being sensitive. And so we've, we've got to kind of start pulling ourselves back from our, our childhood and what we experienced there as far as our, our feeling free to be where we're at with our emotions. You know, so there's a lot of emotional healing that has to happen that it's okay for me to feel this way. It's okay for me to feel angry. It's okay for me to feel sad. It's okay for me to feel whatever it is that I'm feeling. All feelings are welcome here. Yeah, I had a call right before our podcast interview, and it was someone who had a very, very, very dysfunctional childhood, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was talking about being mad. You know, her and I have only been working together for two weeks, so it's pretty early on. And she's talking about being mad, and I was like, who wouldn't be mad? Right. Right. Who wouldn't be mad, you know? And I, I think that's a big piece in giving ourselves permission is to kind of say, well, would you be mad if this happened to someone else? Yeah. Yeah. You're and that's a really good question. I asked that question. If it was your best friend that was going right. through this, what would you tell her? You know, what would right. you say? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what have you seen in the last 20 years? Um, have you seen, cause I know right now narcissism is such a buzzword, you know? So what have you seen? Have you seen major changes in the last 20 years? Um, and what do you think is going to happen in the next 20? Well, yes. You know, one of the biggest changes that I've seen is that, like you say, it's a buzzword, narcissistic abuse and narcissists are getting a lot of airtime now. 
There are a lot of people that are specializing in bringing this information forward. A lot of people writing books about their experiences or psychologists writing books about their experiences as therapists. And, um, you know, so, so it's becoming very well known. It's coming out of the shadows, so to speak. And so when something is visible and out of the shadows, it can't hide so well anymore. And so the narcissists of the world are going to have a more difficult time holding on to their sources of supply because their sources of supply are waking up and identifying who they are. So, so I think that's happening a lot more than it used to when we really didn't know much about what that looked like because it doesn't usually look like, um, you know, overt abuse. We're not often aware that there's even abuse happening. So, um, that awareness is really coming to the forefront now. And, uh, you know, the more that we identify it and the more we're aware of it, the less we're, we're going to stay in those situations and the more easily we're going to be able to identify it. So that's the major change that I've noticed is the movement towards understanding narcissism, recognizing it, and also the movement towards self-love and self-growth has expanded so much more um, in the last 20 years. Well, and I hope, I hope that the conversation isn't just about understanding narcissism because it's still about them. Right. And and learning to, you know, if you many times if we asked a group of thirteen year old girls, hey, if they if you always feel uneasy around them, or you feel like something's off, or you feel like they may be flirting with other people, or you feel like they're always making you feel small, do you think those are red flags? They would probably say yes, right? They haven't studied narcissism, but they would recognize that's a problem. Right. Um, but do you ever see a disconnect in understanding narcissism, but then? acting with an integrity to yourself? Well, normally, <laughs> yes, normally that is the case, is yeah. that that we tend to be more worried, we, those of us recovering, tend to be more worried about, um, about what that other person is thinking or feeling than we are about what we are thinking and feeling. So bringing the attention back home to what is it that I'm experiencing? What is it that I'm thinking and feeling? And even after that relationship is gone and you're in no contact and you haven't had contact for several months, you know, that's when the healing really begins because it's natural and normal as part of the healing process to reflect on that relationship. And I, I absolutely encourage that. I don't encourage shutting down and, um, and saying, well, I'm just not going to think about it. I think that obsessive stage that we go through is an important part of recovery because it helps us to really reflect. And if we can just guide that reflection, that, that part of us that is reflecting, if we can guide it in the right direction and realize that what we really need to be reflecting on is, is what, um, what, what am I really feeling here? What do I really need? What, you know, what, what's going on inside of me? So bringing that attention once again, back to, um, using that relationship to understand ourselves better, to understand our own uh, 
patterns of behavior that. Well, and bringing it back to why we ignore red flags, right? Why uh, we ignore red flags. That's absolutely part of the reflection. That's one of the first things uh, that I ask yeah. clients that I'm working with is um, what were the red flags? When did you notice them and what made you ignore them? So that's a big part of the reflection. Huge. Yeah. 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 And which is different just for our listeners. I just want, I know you understand, but I want to point out the distinction between that and understanding narcissism because they are two different things. Yeah. Why, you know, uh, understanding uh, narcissism is different than understanding yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. What makes you, what makes you good supply? That's another question I have people reflect on. What, what makes you good supply? You know, well, Uh, always, uh, you know, I'm so admiring and adoring of of him and wanting to jump through hoops to please him and make him happy. And, um, you know, just kind of examining that in ourselves. And then the next question is, what is preventing you from offering yourself those same things? You know, making yourself important, making yourself happy. And ironically, what comes up for a lot of women who are more codependent is, well, doesn't that make me narcissistic to be all self-focused, you know, to be focusing on myself all the time? And my answer is usually you need to be more narcissistic, you know? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. need yeah, that. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, and I would also ask the question, are you willing, what's your plan, what's your strategy for changing those things so you don't bring them into other relationships? Right, right, right. Being overly admiring, being because I think some of the dangers I'm sure you've seen, you know, if you're in a narcissistic romantic relationship, it's like, oh, I just need to find a different guy or I need to find a better guy. Um, And it's like, well, and to be able to do that, it'd be really great if you could find the pieces of you that attracted that person in the first place. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, Uh, you know, I've taken women through the, you know, that have met somebody that awfully soon after being in a narcissistic relationship and they, you know, against maybe their better judgment or my encouragement to focus on themselves, find themselves getting involved. And I I walk some women through the process, you know, they're getting involved and watch them ignore the red flags in real time, right? And say, well, you know, let's write down the red flags that you're seeing right now in this new relationship and how easy it is to ignore, for them to ignore it, to um, kind of go into denial. Yeah. Because they want that relationship so bad that the relationship with other becomes so much more important than the relationship with self. So we have to really learn how to love ourselves and care about ourselves and and want that really solid, beautiful relationship with ourselves. And that is the relationship that all others come from, is that the more we love ourselves, the more we're going to attract people who love us. Well, and I, I mean, I'm happily married now and I want to, I want my husband to know and love himself 
to be so that I know and love the real him. Yeah. Nobody's wanting to date anybody who's, uh, you know, I, I just kind of make a joke and it's like, um, you know, healing isn't, healing is sexy, but, you know, she who needs to be healed is not the one, the brand you want to bring into a dating relationship, right? Where it's just like, oh, I just need you so much. I love you. You know, you're going to make it all better for me. Uh, that is very off-putting to healthy people. Right, right. It's looking to be rescued. So you don't have to face yourself or deal with your own issues, your own insecurities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Where can people, I know you have four books um, and a couple of websites. Where can people find more about you and the path to self? Yes. First, first of all, the relation or the website that is focused on healing narcissistic abuse is narcissismfree.com. And I've got a podcast that I've been doing since 2011 called Pandora's Box Radio. And that's actually Pandora's hyphen box hyphen radio.com. And so there's a world of knowledge there. And, um, and I've got my relation or my website. I want to call them relationships. I guess I have a relationship with my websites, um, called path back to self. (laughs) So yeah.com. And, uh, you know, those are, those all will lead you to my products. I do, uh, you know, like I say, writing books and articles. And also I'm a clinical hypnotherapist. So I do some uh, self-hypnosis audio downloads for people to assist them with their recovery and with their self-love process. That's fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for helping us in our journey back to self today and, and helping us learn to become toxic person proof. Awesome. Thank you. I I really appreciate your having me on. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, finding love and success after a toxic relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support and most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.